You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 862 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening, and I'll be joined momentarily by good friend of the show and voice of the Hawks fan, Tyler Jones, one of the most popular guests that I have on the podcast on a regular basis. Tyler is great. We talked for quite some time, so hold on tight for that. Before we dive into that, though, I want to remind you that the NBA draft is, of course, only days away, and uh, the Locked On NBA podcast is mock drafting every single first-round pick. I was one of the analysts on the main desk of the five-part episode, along with Josh Lloyd, Brendan Clean, and David Locke. Also, I made the choice for the Hawks at number six overall, which is always, uh, I guess, part of my responsibility in doing this podcast. So check all of that out as well. And the show featured analysis from Jeremy Wu, from John Hollinger, and Chad Ford. You can subscribe and find it all on the Locked On NBA podcast feed right now. Also, earlier this week on this podcast, I was joined by Brian Schroeder and Ben Pfeiffer with a ton of rumor talk on a solo show that I did on Thursday. That was a lot of fun to sort of go through all of what transpired in a flurry of rumors on Thursday and I guess really on Wednesday that went into Thursday. But um, also I want to plug that Brian will be joining me again next week for two more segments that we already recorded actually on Isaac Coro and Devin Vassell to sort of wrap up our series on all of the top 10 kind of guys in this class. So stay tuned for all of that. As far as the news is concerned on the Hawks front, as of as of the time that I'm recording this right now on Friday evening, it's been pretty quiet since the flurry of rumors a couple of days ago. Now that could change, of course. The NBA draft is coming on Wednesday, so we'll probably get something else before that, and then the madness will transpire probably all day Wednesday into Thursday, and then free agency begins on Friday. So next week will be a dead sprint, to be sure, but nothing new to report on on the rumor front. There was, of course, some people working, you know, prospects working out for the Hawks and telling people about that. That's not really huge breaking news, etc. So if we get something over the weekend, I might pop in in emergency fashion, but for, for the most part, the next podcast will be on Sunday night into Monday morning. So stay tuned for all of that at this point in time. Okay, before we get to Tyler, I want to tell you about the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now they're up to 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. Each bar is covered with 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's also important to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar, and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and when you do that, you get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, for 20% off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. I am joined now by good friend of the program, one of the most popular guests that I have on a regular basis. Tyler Jones is here. Hello, sir. What's going on, Brad? Good to be back. Last time I was on, we didn't know when the Hawks were going to play basketball, but now we know it's sometime in December. So thank God. Because, <laughs> like, it, I mean, honestly, uh, this is a bit of a tangent. Like, I barely watched any of the playoffs uh, after a while because I was like, what's the point if. I don't know when the Hawks are going to ever play another game again. And so it's good that the Hawks are back so I can be excited about basketball again and be excited about 
I guess everything we're about to talk about, the draft and free agency and all that good stuff, but it it, it is ultimately good to be back on the pod. Uh, I don't know if I'm that popular. Only have, like, I, you know, people can only reach me on a locked account. I can't be only so popular. Bro. I'm just, I'm just saying. Every time you come on, the numbers go up, and people ask when you're coming back. So, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not lying. It's the, it's the truth. I've, I've called you. I think even in the intro of this podcast, I've called you the voice of the Hawks fan. So you oh, are the boy. voice of the fan base on this podcast. I, so. I want to reject that that term because <laughs> i think the fans aren't gonna like what i have to say today i understand um, but listen uh i don't have many uh really usually any just straight hawks fans on the podcast yeah other than you so that, that's your role i would say the voice of the smart hawks fan the nuanced intelligent hawks fan <laughs> so i don't even know about that i it's I true wanted, i was fine with the dwight howard signing i I keep saying this. Well, it's listen, like, you were wrong about that, but it's okay. Uh, we, we're all who? we're all Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. I thought, you know, I've said it multiple times in this podcast, but bro, I after that um, that national show he had for Germany, man, I thought he was gonna tear it up. Listen, that that was that was a contract that no one had a problem with when it was signed. No one, including me. Uh, when it was signed, the only problem was that it was a year early, but they got a pretty de- they got a discount on it and all that stuff. Anyway, we talk about Dennis Schroeder forever, but I mean, yeah, we do, but like it still annoys me how people, man, Dennis Schroeder talking to reporters talking about I turned down deals for the Clippers and the Lakers. What? What is this fool talking about? De- Dennis has always been uh, candid. You remember when he did that interview that basically said he wanted to be traded without being without wanting to be traded uh, in German. That that became a big story, right? When he was, and, uh, and he think he thinks people don't know how to translate stuff. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't, man, that dude, bro. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a perfect perfectly on brand start for us. Um, before we get to the draft, we're we're, we're going to do some draft stuff. I promise. Uh, I was telling you before we started recording, it's really weird this year because I've done some for agency stuff. I had Adam Morris on, I had Greg Wissinger on, and Anthony Erwin, some experts from other places. But for agency starts you know, 44 hours after the draft. So I can't really just like pivot from the draft to free agency. I got to touch on it a little bit ahead of time. And I want to ask you, you know, there's been a lot of talk about guys that the Hawks could target. Um, people have been asking me who, who they should sign, who they will sign. And I, I kind of have my list of names to keep an eye on. But my general answer is that I, I just don't know for sure because of the market's so weird. The Hawks are a team that might need to outbid other teams to get some guys right now. It's kind of really uncertain. So I guess broadly speaking, what are you looking for in free agency? Because that's going to be happening pretty soon here. See, and you know what? I keep going back and forth on this because I think it's all dependent on what happens when trades are, when teams can finally make trades. Cause I'm pretty sure that's going to happen before the draft. Yeah, I think it's going to be then like, the, I mean, no one, Woj, Woj said. Um, it's the, like two days. Yeah, two to three days. So I'm thinking maybe Sunday or Monday we'll yeah. have a moratorium lifted. We're, we're recording this Friday night, so that could change. Um, but it's going to be soon, obviously. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, what the Hawks do during all that time period before free agency is going to dictate what they're going to need, right? Yeah. Um, because the Hawks are in this interesting place at the moment where they don't really have a need at any one particular position. Um, theoretically, they're all filled except for uh, bench and, you know, backup, backup point guards, either a starter wing or a backup wing of that. But not like, like they don't have this one glaring need anymore. And they have this, they have this roster at this point 
and this and this is what I thought where, where I come back to is like once you trade for Clint Capella, the die has been cast, and from then, that point forward, you're trying to win as many games as possible. Like I don't, I don't know if you can stra- I don't know if there's a way to straddle a line when you have when you go out of your way to go trade for somebody of Capella's caliber and his contract, and be like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do that, but then we're gonna draft a bunch of young guys and just play them. Uh, again and not you know we're gonna we're gonna do what we've been doing the last couple of years where we're not gonna dr- we're not gonna assign guys over the prospects that we have on the roster um so i i, I think they're going to go in that way but it, it's tough because they want everybody on the same timeline or on the same relative timeline but i mean this this free agency is is just it's not robust with that type of player. There are some guys there, like we're going to talk about, like Derrick Jones Jr. You know, we're going back and forth about DeAnthony Melton, Chris Dunn. Um, you know, these are good good role players to have on your team, but like, are, are those guys going to want to play for a team that has Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, likely a draft pick, possibly two draft picks, depending on what they do on draft day. Like, are they going to want to play here and fight for a playing time when they could probably go to a, a worse position and get more PT or or get more money? Like, are the Hawks going to invest the type of capital it's going to take to get the caliber player that they need? Like, I think that's, like, at the very beginning when, when this all started, we talked about how it'd be nice if the Hawks could get Joe Harris because he felt, like, I, there's a podcast I did months ago where I talked about how Joe Harris would fix a lot of the Hawks problems, their spacing problems, their shooting problems, and overall just upgrade the talent on the team. But would Joe Harris want to come here? You know, would Joe Harris want to leave Brooklyn, come here, and potentially losing lose his starting role within a year if, you know, Cam Reddish or Kevin Herter or DeAndre Hunter makes a superb leap or whoever rookie they draft? I doubt that. And he's of the age where he's trying to win a championship right now. Yep. So it's like, it really is tough. The Hawks have a lot of money. and I don't really know if anybody wants to take it, not because they don't want to play for the Hawks. It's less about not wanting to play for the Hawks. It's more about, I don't want to be a backup to a younger guy. I don't want to be a backup to, to a second year or a third year. And that's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, First of all, I agree with everything everything you just said. I think this is one of the reasons why I've always kind of said publicly that I think the Hawks are going to have to win some bidding wars with money to get guys like that. Just because all things equal, Joe Harris is a great example. Like Joe Harris is not going to come to Atlanta for the same price that he would stay in Brooklyn. There's just no way that's going to happen. Because in Brooklyn, he's competing for a title. He's got he's got assured playing time and an assured role. Um, and yeah, he would he would obviously play a lot here as well. But it's um, you can't have too many wings, and I always say that, and I stand by that. But if you add another one now in the draft, which seems reasonably likely, um, you definitely want to sign or acquire. I, I, I should say acquire instead of sign because they could certainly trade for some guys too. But if you're a free agent, especially a young guy, you may not want to compete. You might want to be assured of something. Like, yeah, the older, smaller veterans, like your Mo Harkless types, those guys might be cool with competing and just kind of playing a role, 
But the guys who are more expensive, who are more prominent and who fans usually want, are going to want either the most money or a guaranteed role or both to come to Atlanta. And it's it's just kind of tough um, in a lot of ways. You know, that's why the combo guard archetype's been pretty interesting because the Hawks don't really have that guy. Like if you talk about Melton or whatever that is, there isn't anybody really, unless they draft Tyrese Halliburton, which they could do, um, there isn't really anybody competing with that guy. Whereas if you're a combo 3-4 veteran right now like if you're Derek Jones Jr yeah in some ways the Hawks make a ton of sense for you because you are young you can age with them the Hawks have some money to pay you but on the flip side like if you're worried at all about you know being behind Reddish and Hunter long term on a team that also has John Collins still and you're kind of a 3-4 type you know your role isn't necessarily like completely guaranteed there so overall my whole thing is like keep an open mind there will be some guys that the Hawks can sign for a reasonable price I just don't know who it's going to be. And that's not the sexiest answer, but even people that cover the team regularly, national people that cover the team well, nobody can tell you what they're going to do. Everyone can say what they could do, and there's tons of options, and the Hawks do have so much cap space, and they're going to be linked to everybody. But man, people keep asking me who I think they're going to sign, and I don't have an answer. Like, I have maybe an order that I think might be more likely than others, but I mean, I would tell you as well, like, I don't know, man. If you ask me, I would I give you the same answer offline. Not giving you on, online. I don't really have a good answer. Yeah, and like we we both don't know because like they have they kind of have infinite possibilities of what they can do. Yep. But at the same time, they can't do what they've done the last couple of years. They have to do something. They, yeah, they, they have to do something. They have to, especially because we're talking around this because you, you and I talked about it before on the podcast and it's been out there forever. But just for if, you, if we have some new, some new listeners, it's worth saying the Hawks have told anyone that will listen. They are trying to make the playoffs next year. That's not a mystery, but it's worth emphasizing that that isn't just lip service. They really do want to make the playoffs next year. And you, you can litigate that all you want to. But that is now an on the record stated goal. And because they said that now and because of where they are with Trey Young trying to get better and all that stuff. They can't just sit this one out. They have to. They have to actively try to push this roster, and that does not mean just through the draft. They have to get some guys who they can trust to be pretty good. Because we saw what happened last year when they just kind of went on the on the fringes. They spent a little bit of money on Jabari Parker, and that was it. Um, they they can't do that again. They have to try to win because they're on the record now. They've sort of painted themselves in the corner a little bit, both in that you know Trey's already made his leap and the fact that. Lloyd and Travis and the players—they're all saying playoffs, and you can't run the back, you can't run the roster back and just add a rookie or two and call it a day. Like you got to spend some money and you got to get some players. Yeah, and that's why to me, you know, I think what they need to come away with in this offseason, just in general, is more tradable assets, guys they they can flip for a potential star or a role player that fits the team better. But that means that you can't just go offer these mercenary contracts because we've seen time and time again the two-year deals nobody's traded for. The Hawks have like, and this goes back to when they signed Demar Carroll and Paul Millsap to those two-year deals all those years ago. Like they were great values, but they had no trade value. Like I mean, they were great values for the team, but they had, they they weren't tradable contracts. Because they were both too good and they made too little money. On top of that, they couldn't really, you know, they, they didn't have their bird rights. Like, they got to get bird rights. They have to sign guys to three, four-year deals to 
good money, not great money, but good money. Those middling, those middling salaries. That they middling don't have. salaries. They, yeah. they, they've got to, but that's risky, right? That, that's the risk. You, you could sign somebody that type of deal, and they end up being Marcus Smart, or they end up being Dion Waiters yep. on that contract. <laughs> that's true. You know, you, they're they're either Jay Crowder, or they're you know name player X who signed for a value contract at the time, but his play regressed due to the nature of the team. Um, because, you know, you sign them, you sign these guys to these middling deals, these long-term middling deals. Like you just don't know, like you just don't know. And so they're going to have to, that's the thing. My, my point is in free agency, they're going to have to take real risk. They're going to have to sign guys to relatively risky contracts. That means giving, you know, Derek Jones Jr. Possibly eight to 12 million a season for three to four years for a guy who might play only 15, 20 minutes a night. If the guys you've drafted pan out like that, is that, is that, is he worth that type of money? Maybe, maybe not. Like maybe he has a season where, where he, he shoots 36% from three. Then, then you got something more and you could potentially flip him, or you could flip one of your draft assets that you, that you've already, uh, drafted all these years ago the the biggest thing with me is it's i mean again all this is connected every time people are like the hawks should trade up to get anthony edwards my my biggest gripe with that is that the second you do that you've opened up a big hole that you're going to have to fill that's potentially not available like the i i guess the the one everybody talks about the herder and number six for number two for for the um, from the Warriors, if Edwards doesn't go number one, but like the problem with that is now your team has this gaping hole that is we have no real shooting outside of Trey Young and John Collins. Everybody else, and and furthermore, like not only that, you're also missing Kevin Herter's playmaking and just his secondary ball handling. Like everything Kevin Herter does, the little thing Kevin Herter does on offense that keeps the engine running. When it when uh, when Trey Young you know collapses the defense like we saw how important that was when Kevin Herter was hurt at the beginning of the year you just can't trade that guy to to go with okay we got Edwards Edwards is a great talent but this team is trying to win now yeah and the <laughs> I mean that's that not a win now Kevin move Herter, at all the archetype that is Kevin Herter isn't available in free agency it's only Joe Harris and you're not gonna. Like the likelihood you're going to pry Joe Harris away from Brooklyn is probably slim. Well, it's funny because, yes, Edwards is kind of a you know I'm not a huge trade up guy. I, I I would certainly be able to defend a trade up for Edwards. He does have star equity, um, all that stuff. I you know take put put that aside. A trade up for Edwards costs you at least Kevin Herter. It might it might even be more yeah. than that. Realistically, it could be more than that. So it's absolutely more. We'll, we'll, the we'll, worst yeah, we we could that. we could assume it's two and six. I mean, sorry, it's six and Herter. But it's probably more than that. But regardless, if you're doing that, it's because you love Edwards, which is fine. But Edwards is not going to be good as a rookie. Like, flat out, you know, none of these guys are. But that 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 applies to that applies to Edwards. I think I I will be surprised if he is a positive player as a rookie, and that's just the way rookies go. But if you do that, if you invest a rotation player that you like in Kevin Herter plus number six for Anthony Edwards, you now have to play Anthony Edwards. 30 minutes a game as a rookie. And by the way, that makes you worse. Now, I I don't think that 
should stop you if you love Anthony Edwards. But in terms of linking up the make the playoffs, make a leap goal with integrating a rookie, it's a lot easier to draft, you know, Isaac Okoro or Tyrese Halliburton at six and bring them along slowly as a bench guy in year one than it is to trade multiple assets for Anthony Edwards and then say, okay, Anthony, you're playing 17 minutes a game now. That's not going to happen, man. I mean, it probably should in terms of winning games, but you once you make once you make that move, most teams just are not going to have the number two pick that you just traded up for and have that guy not be a prominent member of your team in, in year one. So it's all I'm with you. It's this whole package you have to look at, but every little thing from pre-draft trade to draft day trade to draft picks to free agency to other trades, it all has to work in tandem. And they could certainly love Edwards, and that's. I wouldn't blame them for that. I mean, he's, there's a lot to like there. But if they did that, you got to know in your head, if you're Travis Schlenk or whoever else, that move probably makes you worse this year. It might make you a lot better later on if Edwards pops. But if you're trading up for a rookie, man, rookies are bad. Like, most most rookies are bad. It's I mean, even even the guys who are really good. Like, by the way, LaMelo Ball, probably bad as a rookie. And he's my, he's my number one guy. But, like, there's no way he's going to be good as a rookie, is there? I mean, I, I would say no. no. So, no. whoever you get, may, maybe Wiseman's different, maybe Akongwu's different, maybe Vassell is a plug-and-play guy. Most of the time, though, rookies are not good, even if, they, even if they're going to be good later. So, but, but this is why this draft in particular is so fascinating, because once those rumors started hitting the timeline that um, the Timberwolves were going to offer Culver in 17, like, that's just apparently a deal that's out there. Apparently, from, apparently from multiple teams, too. And that's uh, obviously because we're following the Hawks here. That was the one that everybody latched onto because it was it was the most prominently involved. But apparently that, that package has been out there to multiple teams, reportedly. Again, it, it, it's not just for the Hawks. It's just like for a pick in that range. And the Hawks are a natural target for that. But it could be Detroit. It could be even Cleveland or whatever, somewhere in that range. And I'm like, to me, that package is a turn-your-brain-off decision. Because here's the thing about this draft. We talk, you said it all the time. And all, all, everybody, whether you're an internet draft guy or, you know, your, your NBA Twitter or your, you know, the draft experts, that this draft is super flat. Yep. I don't think there's anybody at six they could draft that's going to be a tangibly better prospect than what they could get at 17. Plus, you're getting somebody of Jared Culver's caliber. Now, I, this requires people to remember that once upon a time, Jared Culver was a pretty good prospect. At Texas Tech, he had a really good sophomore season. If people have a hard time remembering that. Like, I mean, you saw this too. We talked about it that day. But when I, when I said that I would do that trade if it came down to it, people got really mad at me. And it was like, God, I, I agree with everything, everything you just said, because most of it, most of it honestly seems to be that people have just assumed now that Jarrett Culver is bad after one season. And given what I just said about rookies, and by the way, it's hilarious because Hawks fans get really, really, really mad when national folks crap on Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. They get really, really mad about it. And they're doing the exact same thing to Jarrett Culver. Exactly the same thing. It's fascinating because it's like, Culver can actually dribble. Like, not theory. He can actually dribble. He proved it last year. W- was he good as a good basketball player on offense? No. No. The free throw shooting isn't a glaring red flag. But he, he was a 67% shooter in college. Like, I, it, 
it's too early to give up on somebody like Cobra. And, and to me, I, I look at this draft, I look at these wings, I like them, but it's a lot of projecting. None of these wings had a season as good as Jared Cobra did his sophomore year at Texas Tech. Vassell may be close. Vassell might be the closest one who had even close to the caliber season. And, and Vassell wasn't the scorer that Culver was. And so it's it's like Culver was actually good on defense. He can dribble. He's not afraid of contact when he gets to the rim. He offers something the Hawks currently don't have outside of Cam Reddish. As a, somebody who can be your point of attack defender. We don't the, the list of guys who can you can put at the top of the key to defend the team's best player is Cam Reddish, and that's it. Everybody else sucks at it. <laughs> to the point that it collapses the defense because they give up too it's too easy to get dribble penetration on this team. But you add another guy in Cobra plus a seventeen pick who could be a RJ Hampton that, or Tyrese Maxey. That's what drives Cole me crazy, Anthony. honestly. Like, like this those guys who are who are who are projected to go later in the draft aren't that much worse than who, who we're talking about. Tyrese Halliburton. That's a I mean your point, a normal your point draft, there is perfect. It really is. Like Guys, Halliburton in a normal draft is a late lottery guy. Isaac Okoro, mid-late lottery guy. Devin Fassell, mid-late lottery guy. Yep. Vinny Advia would be mid-late lottery. Killian Hayes. Everybody, draft Twitter, loves Killian Hayes. I found it eye-opening when I heard Jonathan Giovanni and Mike Schmitz talk about Killian Hayes. And they talked about how before he went to that German team, OM, I believe they're called, Oh yeah, he, he, he was, was a good. He, he, was, he was like a late first rounder, maybe early second round guy a year ago. And and they talked and they talked about they talked about just everything like like they've seen him before. They've seen his game. Then they saw him go to a lower league in Germany, and basically that team was bad. But they were like, "We're gonna give you a lot of money to come here to promote our club, so we get more talent, and we're just gonna give you the keys and let you operate the operate the team." And like he did well individually. But the team's offense was crap, and he was he had he had an absurd turnover percentage. Like it was just it was just his show, and, and I and I find, like after finally watching him and seeing, I like him, but yep. I like him. I like Killian for the Hawks, and possibly for the Hawks only because he's going to need good big men. Well, and you're if he doesn't have great role men or great shooters, I don't know how he's going to do anything. Well, and you're, and we'll, and we'll come, and we're going to come back to these guys too in a second. But like your your overall point about this range is a hundred percent right. It's something I've been saying forever, and something I said on Wednesday on the last podcast. You know, I understand that if you just look at this class, if you're a Hawks fan, if you're an NBA fan, and you've been looking at this draft class forever, especially if you're a Hawks fan, though, you know, you've known you're going to have six for a long time. You focused on these five guys, six guys, seven guys, however many, however many it is, and now someone tells you that those guys aren't going to be available, and you're moving down to seventeen. It can be a little jarring, and I get that. But the gap between guy pick whichever guy you want at six that we think it might be there, and go down to seventeen, yeah, that's a gap. But it's not it's not a gap that people think it is. It just it's just not. Like for instance, <laughs> I, I think Tyrese Maxey might be there at seventeen, and I think Tyrese Maxey is in the same tier as these guys. And now that's that's me. I'm high on Maxey, but Maxey, Hampton, Cole Anthony. Uh, Aaron Neesmith, pick whichever guy you want. Those guys are not a, a, those guys are not two tiers below. They might be one tier below the Okoro Vassell guys, but if that 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 gap is not that big. And even if you don't like Jarrett Culver, like I've I've heard people that don't like him, it's it's totally fine. I don't, you don't have to be as high on him as I am. That's totally cool. But even with all that said, Jarrett Culver at worst 
is a late lottery pick in this class. At worst. I think he's better than that still, but forget all that. Just take an average evaluation of Jared Culver. There's no way he's not in the top 15 in this class. There's no way. So him, so that guy in 17 to move up to six, to, to, to go down from six, that's a lot. You, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to love it. And again, honestly, that, that offer might not even be existing in right now, much less on Wednesday. But as a, just as a reminder to everyone, like if they trade down, it's okay. Like it's not going to be that big of a deal. Yes. They might not get the guy that you have fallen in love with as a fan, but I'm with you 100%. The, the gap here and just taking stock of all of these guys, because I'm with you, there's no way that Tyrese Halliburton or Denny Avdia are top five picks in most drafts because they're just, they're just not. And I like those guys. But look, look two years ago. Look last year. Like, Trey Young went fifth in the draft, guys. Like, to, to speak to Hawks fans now that love Trey Young, and I know you do as well, Trey Young was the fifth pick in the draft. No one batted an eye at that. That was it. Wasn't weird that Trey fell to five. That was expected. That was an expected outcome. Now think about that. Now the Hawks are picking sixth in this draft. Do you see any? Do you see Trey Young anywhere? Because I don't. <laughs> it's not a normal draft, no, guys. This, this draft is bad. It's just what it is. But, but even even take this back further. Like a lo- a lot of the counters, like oh, maybe the Hawks would use this pick, uh, trade it for a veteran like Drew Holiday. That's, sure. That's another rumor that's out there. Yeah, we, we can get into that too if you want to. But, yes. but I, I, I want to get into that into this, and we're and people are like the Hawks shouldn't trade that this pick for a veteran because it's the last time they're going to be drafting this high. Blah blah blah. I've Brad, said that. I will admit it. I, this I, I, I draft. This draft. That means nothing. Who, who they pick next year at like sixteen or twenty. Or wherever they're drafted, that could be that could be. It's better. the same caliber. It's almost certain to be the same caliber player they can get at six. It, this is not a this yeah. is not a star driven draft. This is like to me, it came like once I heard that because like I actually like Killian Hayes. I would be happy if the Hawks took Killian Hayes at six. But once I heard, you know that you know they saw him, they saw Killian at the under 18s they saw Killian at the World Cup, and they're. He was a good prospect, but he's not this. Like he's not he's not more talented than Anthony Edwards. Like I, no. I think that's that's where my brain goes. I'm like, but is he at the end of the day? Like every, nobody likes Anthony Edwards. Nobody wants to draft him because they're all worried about his mentality, all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, is there anybody more talented than Anthony Edwards? It's possibly only Lamelo Ball. Yeah, that's and, it. I mean, there, there's a but, reason why the top three are the top three. You know, I feel differently about Wiseman, but there there is a reason why those three guys are seen as the top three guys. It's because they are the most talented players. I mean, but the thing about Wiseman, it makes sense to me. He's seven one, right? He's, and he he do you 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 watch him run in a gym. He's seven one and he's coordinated. And that's why I don't like get mad about. It. I mean, there's people that get mad about Wiseman being so high, and I get it. You know, the, the center value thing. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but I get. I fully understand why why teams love Wiseman. Like, and I I think his floor is pretty high because guys that have his tools, man, just don't fail. Like, completely fail. He's going to be good. I think. Now you can litigate his like how high his upside is as a traditional 7-1 center. I think his offense is overrated, all that stuff. But just tools wise and talent wise, again. There's a reason why those three guys are the three guys that everyone talks about as kind of being in their own tier. And it's because, you know, Ball has the preternatural passing and the talent that he has. Edwards has every physical tool imaginable. And James Wiseman is an Adonis. Like, those three guys are up here. And, yeah, I actually have guys ahead of Wiseman on my personal board. But I totally get why Wiseman's up there, man. Look at him. 
Like, if this is 20 years ago, why is his number one, his number one pick? It's not close. That's just the way that is. The only reason why he's falling a little bit in the minds of a lot of people is because it's 2020 now, and centers aren't valued the way they used to be. But if this is 1996... Center, center, position, center like, position is so difficult to evaluate on what is and is not valuable, right? Very. Like, I feel like, I feel like that's the impact that a lot of draft Twitter is going through at the moment. Because we talk about all season how centers aren't as important. Everybody's going small, blah, blah, blah. And then the Hawks and didn't have what one. Happened, what, what, <laughs> happened, what happened in the playoffs? The Nuggets with Nikola Jokic, slow-footed, somehow make it to the conference finals. The Lakers, who play the most traditional big man lineup of all the traditional big man lineups, absolutely dominated every basketball team they played. I'm gonna have play. a uh, I'm gonna have an argument because, with you now. I think no, no, but 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 they did it, and then you have the Miami Heat. They only had one. They really only had one big man, Bam Adebayo. Yeah, especially especially late in, the, late in the year. That's what they were. They, his versatility. Yeah. yeah, his versatility, his athleticism, his size, his skill. Like, the the Celtics in particular had no answer for him. It, 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 it's just like, it's all matchup dependent. Like, that's the thing. Like, at yep. the end of the day, all of this is dependent on the team that you're playing. Bam Adebayo had an incredible playoff run. He got hurt in, this, in the finals, but even... Even then, he was going to have a tough time against Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis does the same thing that Bam does. He's just three inches taller well, and five inches longer. Yeah. And it's like it's so <laughs> tough to overcome physical measurements. That's why James Wiseman is ahead of Onyeka Okongwu on a lot of these dudes' boards. I don't agree with it, but that's why. Oh, yeah. It's because 100%. you just have more You have more room for error. John Collins, all this talk about John Collins, oh, he he's – He'd be so much better if he was, if he played center. All this stuff. He doesn't have the measurements. That's why they went away, went out of the way to get Capella. They traded a first round draft pick to get Capella to cover for John Collins' weakness because he just doesn't have the size. Like it's, but then, like you can run into a situation where, you know, you draft. I mean, you draft DeAndre Ayton number one overall. When. Luka Doncic is right there. Like it's, it's, it's tough for the. It's I, I feel for these. Uh, <laughs> like I do, I do feel bad for these guys who got to make these decisions. It's not it's clear. Not easy. No, yeah, it's I'm with not you. clear. It's not black and white. Like, it really, it, it make- really went a lot further. Um, you know, and part to your point, and I agree with you to your point about the matchup thing. The reason why the pendulum shifted so so far is because everyone was trying to beat the Warriors, and the Warriors were the Warriors. And then the number one challenger to the Warriors was was the Rockets, who were playing that small ball too. And then this year, your your point is one hundred percent right. The final four teams in the league, you know, Boston didn't have, didn't have huge centers, but you know, all, and it killed them, right? And, 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 and now, and, and now by the way, Tice is pretty good. Like he's not even bad. Tice is fine. But like I, my my only counter to you would be the guys you named, the three guys you named, Anthony Davis, Nicole Jokic, and Bam Adebayo are superstars. All three of them. So, like, it's not realistic, you know, yes, it'd be nice to have those guys, but, like, there's a there's a bar you got to get over to be that yeah, good. Yeah, but, but, but put it this way, do the Celtics win that series or not, they have Clint Capella out there? Uh, probably, yes, because they almost won it anyway. I mean, I, I thought Boston yeah. was the better team coming in, and I'm but not, what, I'm not what, 100% sure that they weren't the better team anyway, but they just got beat. 
But yes, I agree. A Capella is be- Capella like, is good enough watched, where it could have changed it. Yes. If you watched the game, you consistently saw Bam was just bigger than everybody else that the Celtics have. Yeah. They had nobody who could compete with him physically. And like that's such an advantage in a series where you can just like you don't have to struggle to get the matchup you want. You can just beat the other team down physically and get every offensive rebound. The Lakers beat the Heat into submission. The Heat played harder than anybody. The Lakers they did, Lakers, against the Lakers Lakers. did to everybody. Now, granted, the Lakers are one of a kind that you're, you're playing LeBron at the three, which is insane, and Anthony Davis at the four. But yes, they just bludgeoned everyone. I mean, the entire way. It wasn't just them. They, they bludgeoned the Rockets, who obviously are super small, but they bludgeoned the Nuggets. And the Nuggets are huge. And the, and the Lakers still just went right through them. Because... Again, you can't replicate having AD and LeBron at the three and the four. But it's what I mean. But, but Brad, this is why you're hearing how the Warriors need a big man. They need a big man. That's why this James Wiseman at two. Yeah, because feels like be, more of a it, lock than people. It's a re, think about. it's a reaction now, and I think a justified one in a lot of ways. To the best thing that I think you probably agree with this, but I'll just say it: the thing that you really need to be able to do is play multiple ways. Exactly, and, and that's that's really hard. It's really hard to play multiple ways, which is why guys that can do more than one thing. Are really valuable, and that's one of the advantages. Of, by the way, one of the advantages of Clint Capella, if you're the Hawks, is that he can do multiple things because he's so fast and so mobile as a center that he can do multiple different coverages and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm with you 100. It's it's kind of shifting, and that's why Wiseman's going to be where he's going to be. And um, I totally get all that. Okay, uh, before we before I forget to do this, let's take a break for a second. Hear from our sponsor on the podcast. We'll be back with Tower Jones. More on the draft, more on free agency, and uh, NBA talks. So hold on tight. All right, Tyler, um, let me just, before we go to the draft fully, we've touched on a lot of this stuff already on the draft. I want to make sure I don't forget to ask you, do you have a favorite free agent target or two? After all that stuff about that we said about uncertainty, um, do you have a guy that you're hoping the Hawks sign at a reasonable number? Is there is there a guy that you've just been dreaming about as a Hawk or not? It's probably Derek Jones Jr. at the end of the day, just because of his age and that he's a 3-4 and he's a specialist on defense that they desperately need. Like, I I really do think they just and, – and I feel like he could have plus trade value to whatever contract they sign because it's not it's probably not going to take that much to get him. Um, outside of him, though, because I feel like – I feel like signing Derrick Jones Jr. is obvious regardless of what they do. Uh, I, I, like- I agree. He He's one that makes sense pretty much in any construction. Obviously, there's a, there's a concern about his shooting, but given that he is super young, unrestricted, the Heat don't want to go multiple years, and he would just help the Hawks do a lot of different things, he's kind of the only guy, um, maybe not the only guy, he's one of the only guys that I can see the Hawks signing kind of no matter what they do elsewhere. That, that doesn't mean they will, by the way. They don't have to sign Eric Jones. He, he'll have other offers, but... If you tell me different approaches to everything else via the draft or trades or whatever, whichever whatever they do, they probably still have a reason to try to sign Derrick Jones because Derrick Jones does a lot of things well, and he's so and and I would say importantly, he is young and won't be incredibly expensive. And you know, you, he doesn't need that big of a role either. Like, you oh don't... no, he's a low usage offensive player for sure. Like, yeah. he, even if he starts making jump jump shots, which you're hoping he will. He's still not a guy who's going to like need the ball. He's he's a, he's a defense first guy that can be sort of a actually he's kind of interesting as a pick and roll finisher. Not that the yeah, Hawks need that, but um, he could do that. 
Yeah, I think that's his. I mean, that's his best by far. His best role on offense. Um, outside of him, though, it's just like I, I think we touched about it earlier. It's kind of just depending on what they do. I mean, they do need a backup point guard. The problem is of some kind. Someone who can run the offense on a second unit is important. The problem is, you know, man, like their backup point guard issue would be solved if Kevin Herter would take the next step or if Cam Reddish took the next step. A lot of the problems when Trey Young came off the floor was that they just didn't have anybody who was threatening to score. Well, the thing, by the way, I agree with you. The problem is with this is that they don't, they're, I think, if you read the tea leaves, they are not going to be willing to have that be their primary option this year. Absolutely. They shouldn't. It's just not, it's not going to happen. I mean, but the problem is, the problem is like that, the clear guy who could be a backup point guard, it, it's tough because, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, it's funny. Like we talk about all the time, it's tough to build a roster around Trey Young. I, I feel like having Trey Young allows you, to be able to sign a Derrick Jones Jr., somebody that limited offensively, yeah. and it not hurt you Agreed. because you have a Trey Young. You know, it, it just it it's just or you could play two big men like Capella and Collins. Like, like that's such a non-concern to me because just because they're both, you know, they have gravity as rim runners. Um, like even and and combined with John Collins shooting, but more importantly. Like, Trey Young's passing, if you give him a sliver, he's going to make the right read right. as a passer. So, like, that's not – like, he, he just gives you – he gives you more options than what than what people think. But they're just different than if he were just a two-way wing, which is funny. Like, it, it's just so it's, – it's, Brad, to me, it's kind of – I know there's another tent, but it's just fascinating how, how we talk about the league. Now the Clippers need a point guard. Well, Isn't that's, that interesting? That, that's because Kawhi. That that, that's because Kawhi decided he wanted one. Like, I actually think they don't need but one. But they do. But they. I don't think they do. A lot of their problems in the playoffs, Brad, came down to they. Kawhi's doing too much yeah, to no, set I, everybody up. Yeah, I mean the the part. Yeah, the Clippers are interesting because the problem the problem with the Clippers is that their their best point guard sized offensive player is Lou Williams, who you don't want to play with Kawhi and Paul George. So that's the problem there. And, and, and of course you have Montrez Harrell and all that stuff, but I'm with you. They actually, in theory, their lineup with Patrick Beverly, who doesn't play point guard, but actually is point guard sized made a lot of sense. But then if Paul George just decides he's not going to be good at basketball, um, sometimes, uh, that is hard. Like the theory of that was that PG and Kawhi would do all the creation. And that makes sense on paper until Paul George can't create anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then and now they're like, "Hey, we need Chris Paul, the, one of the best point Which guards in the NBA they, they, history." They don't, they don't need Chris Paul, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, but it's just interesting because it's like you know that's the deficiency in Kawhi Leonard's game. You know, his playmakers improved, but yeah, he's, he's not, not LeBron. He's not, he's not LeBron James as a playmaker. He's right. not LeBron James. That's the that's the issue. It's also it's, it's also like, really hard. Every, it's also hard to run offense. Teams. Like it's hard to run, especially offense at that level, like high playoff offense. It's hard to do that, and that's the thing. And this is obviously a little bit different about the Hawks, but you know, running NBA offense is not easy. Um, and that's kind of why you know, obviously, the Hawks didn't even try to address this last year. Look, but Trey Young makes it look easy. Though. Correct. I mean, and he's so and he's so good that it was even more stark. And you know, I still blame the Hawks for not trying to even fake it last year when he left the court. But there's all these guys that you know, 
it's funny, two of the guys that we talk about a lot that are, you know, point guard size players for the Hawks to potentially sign are Chris Dunn and DeAnthony Milton. Chris Dunn cannot run an offense like full stop. He's, he's not a point guard. I love, Chris I love, I love, I love Chris Dunn, and I would be totally on board with him signing Chris Dunn. But if you're signing Chris Dunn, Chris Dunn is a defensive point guard potentially, um, but he cannot run an offense. Um, Melton can do a little bit more, but he's not a guy that right now is proven to be able to do that. So you're talking about I'm gonna re- I'm gonna throw some names at you right now of like the actual guys who can run an offense that are available. Um, and I'm just going to see what your reaction is. And you tell me if you like any of these guys. Here we go. Uh, Jeff Teague. DJ, August, no. D- DJ Augustine. Yes, but. Uh, uh, Reggie Jackson. Yeah, no. uh, Austin Rivers. Not um, a point guard. Javon Carter, who's just like, he's just like Chris Dunn. He's not a point guard, but he could play. He's also he, not a point he's guard. He's fun. But, uh, yeah. Shabazz Napier, which is a yes for me. I like Shabazz Napier. Um, you have Chris Chioza. You have. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier. Nope. You have Jordan Clarkson, who's not a point guard, but can at least can, can at least run an offense, kind of. Jordan Clarkson was really good last year, and I feel like he got way too much crap when it's his reputation. The Jazz that. played substantially better. Yeah, when he was on the floor, like I, he I'm not a fan. Team. I'm not a fan of him, but I'm he, he was good. But either. he was good this year. You're right. He's he was good this year. Um. Alec Burks is on this list. Another guy who's like more of a two, but it can, but can at least play some play some one. Uh, Garrett Temple. Like, there's not there's not a lot of guys, man, that like you trust to run to legitimately run your second unit. So they I mean, have this, to do something. This is why the, but... the Drew Holiday discussion was so interesting? Where I'm like, if all like to me, the question is. Is Drew Holiday worth the six the six overall pick or not? He absolutely is, especially in this draft. It's just the contract. It's just is he going to opt in or is he going to sign an extension? If it's a no to either of those questions, then you probably can't do it. That is right? pretty much exactly what I said because Mark Stein Mark Stein reported that he is expected to opt out, which isn't a surprise to anyone. But that that that's one of the options that you've just removed. And the other one is extension, which they could certainly do, but then he has to be willing to sign the extension, number one. And, you know, I agree with you. Drew Holiday is really good. And if the Hawks were in a position to, like, compete for the title next year and had the sixth pick, it'd be a lot easier to endorse that decision. But because they're not able to do that next year, on paper anyway, um, yeah, it'd be awesome to have Drew Holiday. He'd make them a lot better. They'd be a playoff team with Drew Holiday. All that stuff is true, but you're – you're trading a even in the, even in this bad draft. So even if it's okay, just in a, in a more normal draft, assume it's the eleventh pick instead of six. How do you want to do that? Just the value of a normal tenth pick, twelfth pick. That's probably too much to trade for if you know going in it's one season of Drew Holiday. One yeah. se- one season, like he's really good, he's worth a lot. But if you are the Hawks, that's probably a lot. And honestly, if they, if they turn around and traded six for Drew Holiday. I would not come on the podcast the next morning and kill them for doing that because Drew Holiday is because Drew Holiday is really good. The problem is you, you better have a plan of some sort, and if that plan is just cross your fingers and hope he resigns a year later, that's not great. <laughs> no, no, they they got to They got to get now. They can't give up assets as uh, more than the six picks. Well, like, and, that, and that's the up. thing. Zach Lowe reported that he thinks he thinks that it's going to be more than six if they did that, and right. like, that's where it gets to be wonky. Whereas, like, nah, you're not you're not in a position, and that goes back to my point where like the Hawks aren't in a position to be trading assets. They're, this is not an asset rich team with players. It's not, and they're not, and they're not contending. And that's the thing. 
I want to say this one more time. I know I've said it multiple times, but if you're the Nets or if you're the Warriors or, or the Nuggets, you're trying to get Drew Holiday to win the title next year. If you are the Hawks, that's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to make a leap for sure, but even the biggest Hawks fan, I would hope, would understand that just adding Drew Holiday is not going to win you the title next season. It would it make you a lot better. They'd be really good with Drew Holiday, I think. Actually, but this is why this is why I really like the idea of this team trading back because what this draft one what this draft does have is a lot of good point guard caliber talents. Oh yeah, especially right? from like from like twenty to forty. There's like yeah. seven, eight point guards that are pretty good. Not great, who but could, pretty good. Who could be backups? Because, again, the Hawks don't need – like Drew Holiday would be ideal, but they don't need – they don't need a – what they they just need a guy – like Brandon Goodwin could potentially fill that role if he if this, if the shooting comes. Like he – What Here's the thing about Drew Holiday, by the way, and I forgot, I, I forgot to say this. You know what I would do rather than trading for Drew Holiday – if, if 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 for some reason you were just in love with that archetype of player, you could just pay for for Van Bleet to do that same thing. Exactly. Yep. Um. And yep. I, and I'm not telling you to do that, but if you can get Fred Van Bleet for just money, and not have to pay the sixth pick, yeah, Drew Holiday is better than Fred Van Bleet. Don't don't get me don't get me wrong. Drew Holiday is better than Fred Van Bleet. I'll say it again. He's better, like pretty considerably. But Fred Van Bleet is good, and he's fairly similar. He's not as big, which does matter. But you could just pay. If you were going to trade for Drew Holiday and extend him for maybe too much money, um, you could just pay for Van Vliet. Like, it's an idea that I've had before, and it probably costs you too much. But at least at that point, you're just paying money instead of paying assets and money. And I wouldn't worry about the the backcourt being too small because you're playing big in the front court. Like uh, yeah, so. bigger than most teams in the league. And not ever. I mean, yeah. honestly, John Collins is a. Uh, you know, other than like AD, there's not very many powerful. There are not very, very many regular power forwards that are bigger than John Collins. And Clickapella is a center-sized player who is good. So yes, I, I and plus, you know, for all I know, you're not the biggest fan. We'll do this later. But DeAndre Hunter is a very, very big small forward. Uh, if you're playing Cam Reddish at the two at any point, he's a huge shooting guard. He's a very appropriately sized small forward. Like they're they're big everywhere except for point guard, really. Yeah. Or. But another thing I liked is like you know trading back for a young guy plus an asset. You know the the cover for seventeen that that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Another one I I was thinking about while we're talking is like the Mavericks are talking about how they want to trade up because they need <laughs> they desperately need wing help. They do. Jalen Brunson for in the eighteenth pick for the sixth pick. I think I'd do that. Yeah, I mean, there there was somebody somebody asked me the other day about a fake trade, and I, I'm not sure if it was reported somewhere or something, but it was like that's the, not reported. That's no, not that, reported. that one that's wasn't. But it, it was this one. This one was like it was like Delon Wright, eighteen and thirty one for six, and like Delon Wright is overpaid, but he's pretty good. Um, and that, that's an interesting idea. I think the Hawks probably wouldn't do that, but there are there are a bunch of. It's not just. The, I mean, there was re- the reporting from O'Connor that had the Celtics, the Pelicans, etc. But like the Wizards could want to move up. The Suns could fall in love with somebody and want to move up if they if they don't get Chris Paul. Um, pretty much all, not all, but a lot of the teams in that you know the Knicks could want to move up the eight the eight to like 16, 17 range, eighteen. A lot of teams in that range that could want to move up if you are to try to find one player. And the Hawks, you know, I'm on record and have been for months about moving down. And you know, most fans don't like it, and I get it. But if there's value, you don't just do it to do it. You do it for a reason. 
But if there's value to be had somewhere. And I think there's going to be real value to be had because certain teams have like laser focused specific needs. What do you think about the Boston thing, by the way? Okay. Since I have you, what do you think about Boston? Like, cause obviously they had the three picks and I know the Hawks don't want three picks probably, but they also have Romeo Langford. Like, is that a team that you'd be interested in trading back to 14 and for some 14, something else? Absolutely. I do it. One, I think the more I think about it, I think I do it for all three first round picks. And then just flip and maybe flip one of the other ones or, or maybe or, flip or them stash later somebody or, or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Do something with that just to have the asset. Right. Well, and, and, and the, have, uh, I've said this before, but the, the Kevin Pelton trade chart actually favors 14, 26 and 30 value wise over six. And that's in a normal draft, which means it's probably even better in this draft. It's just that, you know, every time I bring that up, somebody's like, well, the Hawks don't need three more rookies. And I'm like, okay, I, I know that, but it's, it's the asset. It's not, just the they know that, but like they need to, they need to get away from. I'm developing this guy to be on my next playoff team, and more. I'm developing this guy to trade him for a guy we need to win a playoff series, or like even, that. or even doing it this year. Like you, you could, you could probably turn the 26th pick into like a rotation player. Exactly on draft, instead, instead on draft night, pick, instead of the sixth pick into a rotation, like in overpaying with the sixth pick for some guy like for a veteran like for perhaps Aaron Gordon. Yeah, you, you go out and find yeah, yes, exactly. That's exactly that that kind of idea. Orlando doesn't seem to love Aaron Gordon. 6 for 6 is probably too much for Aaron Gordon in a vacuum um on that contract, but if you could get him for 14 or get him for 26 and 30 or something like that, then yeah. that makes a lot more sense. And it doesn't have to be Boston, but Boston's the team that I mean, you you don't even need reporting to know the entire league knows Boston wants to consolidate their assets. That's been out there for months and months and months. So that's, that's not even breaking news, but that, that's a very popular one. You got new Orleans, uh, Orlando might want to go up. I don't know. The Knicks might want to go up for if they get, if Killian Hayes falls to six, maybe the Knicks want to go up and get him. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, the Suns. So you're in favor of trading down. That's, that makes sense. I'm in favor of trading down. Uh, we talked about trading up. I guess we could finish or at least kind of finish with, uh, what happens if they stay at six. We've talked about this before, but I, I want to get your f- sort of final thoughts on what you would do at six if they didn't move the pick. It's going to depend on who's there, I think, well, at the end uh, okay, of the day. For sure. That, that makes sense. Okay, well, let's assume for this purposes, the top three or the top three are gone, um, and that's Ball, Edwards, and Wiseman. Um, there's a lot of smoke about Obi Toppin being gone before six. Um, I would say he's been linked to uh, Cleveland pretty heavily. And what I've heard, as well as uh, Chicago on occasion, um, Denny as well, those two guys, and Halliburton, those three guys, I think at least one of them, if not both of them, are going to come out of that group um, between what Cleveland does and what Chicago does, barring trades. But anyway, I mean, you can you can you can caveat it, but like, what's your what's your board looking like if you're Travis Schlenk? Um as Tyler Jones making making the pick at six? What's what's your board look like reasonably if uh, we assume the top three guys are gone? I think I genuinely just take the best player available. And I feel like if Okongu's there at six, at the end of the day, he's going to be the best player available. And furthermore, he's the he's the guy you could you can get the most value from if you pick him. Because then you could possibly flip Capella for another asset, for another good whatever you need, right? Fill a role or or whatever. It gives you more options. And after I said that, I'm like, but, you know, <laughs> you're drafting a center. Yep. Right? That, that goes back to the situation. Like, I, 
And I, I think he's I actually. Like, I think I, he's I, kind I of more of a four or five. Like I think he yeah. is a center. He's a center in my view, but at least with a Kong Wu, he can't. Play, he can't play with Capella. I don't think. But I, I think that he can play some four maybe in the future for you, and especially if he develops his jump shot the way that some people do. Um, think he's going to like. I I trust people that think he's going to shoot. I'm not 100 percent sure that he's going to, but there are a lot of smart people that I have talked to that think he's going to be able to stretch the floor in the near future. And if that happens, you can play him at the four for sure. If you, I, I think he's still a five, but especially, okay, this is what I'll, I'll just say it. If you, if you're married to John Collins in the way that I know you are, Tyler, I know you love John. If you're, if, if that's part of your plan, one of the best guys on paper to pair with John Collins might be someone like a Kongu. And I know they have yeah. Capella. Capella's really good and you're not just getting rid of him. But I think if you're looking long-term, if you're planning on an extension for John or signing him long-term, it makes even more sense to me to just draft the I mean, the the thing, you have a Kung Fu signed for four years, but Capella only for three. And well, and like, even, I mean, you say four years, like most rookies, it's seven or eight. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Realistically. Exactly. So it's, it's a situation where you, you don't have to revisit this situation when you, you don't want to pay a 29-year-old Capella, depending on how, you know, how his body his body goes, um, you know, you could just have a combo on the roster. But, you know, even then, like, I feel like they could – the thing is, I like drafting a combo, uh just so you could get something from the Celtics. Because I, I feel like – I feel like <laughs> or the Wizards. Kongu has – Or the Wizards. Yeah, I feel like you draft a Kongu, some team is going to want to trade up and give up something good. Well, and all, um, I mean, honestly, for all and, of, and I know, I know, and I and I and I know the point of point of this discussion is like, who do you want for the Hawks to take at six? But it's they're all the same to me. Like well, a lot of these guys <laughs> are the same. Like I, I love a Coral. I can't come out here and say he's a better prospect than like I like I like a Coral's game a lot more than I like Devin Fassell. I can't sit here and say to everybody. Yeah, he's a better prospect than Devin Fassell. That's just my personal preference. There's yeah, no, a lot of this is going to come down to preference, and that's something that's been said around the league too. Even when you hear people talking about it now, like as close as this is to the draft, you usually hear some splits and stuff from smart people, and everybody's like, "Look, it really is personal preference." And you know, Travis Schlenk's not shy; he'll take the guy he wants um, if he would like to do that. And the best player available thing has become like kind of a joke because he always says it every time. But I think he kind of means it. I mean, not at some point you have to think about fit to some level. But this year, the Hawks get a little bit lucky in that there is no one that they cannot draft at that spot because the only spot, as we said a hundred times, the only the only thing the Hawks can't draft at six is a small point guard, and there aren't any. Those guys don't exist in this range. I, I guess Kyra Lewis you can't take, but you wouldn't take it there anyway. So the board really is as wide open as humanly possible. Like mo- most of this, the, most, most of these teams in this range have a position where they probably would like strongly prefer not to draft someone. Like if you're the Cavs, PR wise, if you're Kobe Altman, you probably don't want to draft a point guard. Just, I'm not saying that's the right decision, but you, mean, you, they, you but you just they, took Garland and Sexton in a row. Like if you want to not get fired, you probably don't want to take a point guard. Uh, if you're, if you're the Knicks, you have Mitchell Robinson. He's your, second best prospect or best prospect how you feel about RJ Barrett you probably don't want to take a center probably not um if you're the Wizards you have John Wall and Bradley Beal the small guards are probably off your radar all that said like the Hawks are so open in a lot of ways where yeah they have a lot of good players on the roster but there's nobody that they cannot take that is reasonably available at six which makes my life harder 
<laughs> it also makes it also makes it a lot more interesting because like you just said it really is kind of personal preference i have my own tiers but they're not very big like i have a kong Wu fourth on my board he's been there for a long time he's going to be probably the highest rated player on my big board that's available at six it'll be him or Hayes that's the top guy available when the hawks pick but neither of those guys are perfect fits on the current roster so like how much do you care about that how much does travis care about that what is what what what, what do his tiers look like all questions i don't know the answer to <laughs> it's just it's yeah who knows they might just take patrick williams and and not do anything else it definitely so. seems like detroit uh maybe is leaning in that direction by, right behind the hawks so if the hawks love patrick williams you've got to take him at six probably i would not do that but uh he seems to be as hilarious as this is. There's always a riser when nothing else is happening in the world. I feel like happening. I predicted Patrick Williams was going to rise. You I, might have. I don't know he, def- he definitely it, is. I mean, like, there's even a rumor that he's been promised by Detroit, which I don't necessarily believe. But it's because Troy Weaver um, was in Oklahoma City, and they are famous for pro- for promising guys. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. And if you're a longtime Hawks fan, you probably cringe at promises because of Sheldon Williams. Um, but uh, Sheldon Williams, the the famous promise to Sheldon Williams at five. But uh, yeah, the I promise mean, that was a year. Do people know that story uh, I don't, about I don't Sheldon know. Williams, I, Joe Johnson, all, same agent? All kinds of things that happen. There. Yeah. Um, wow. But anyway, I okay. So you said a Kong Wu. Um, if it's not a, if it's not a Kong Wu, say, say for instance that they don't they they really don't want to do that for whatever reason. Do you have a preference of, of the perimeter guys? Because honestly, most of the focus has been on the four guys, basically of Halliburton, Vassell, Okoro, and Denny. And I will say this right now: Vassell is a guy I like a lot, and that the internet likes a lot. I think everyone will be surprised if the Hawks actually take Vassell at six. the The league is not as high on Vassell, so it really has. It really, most people that you talk to, it's some combination of Halliburton, Okoro, Denny. And then you can maybe talk yourself into Hayes or Kong Wu, depending on how how much you like those guys. But really, most mock stuff, most people that I've heard from that are thinking about the Hawks, it's usually Halliburton, Denny, or Okoro. I really do like Halliburton's game a lot. He's just, but at the same time, he really isn't a point guard. No, he's not. And like, I don't know if I want him you know, leading second unit by himself when Trey Young's not on the floor. Like, that's, I think that's a struggle. Like, ideal, so I'm like, maybe you go Killian Hayes. But I, I think I, I, I circle back. Um, if it's not a Kongwu, I mean, it's probably still a Okoro, Isaac Okoro for me just because of the dribbling equity he has over a Vassell. Um, but even then, that shot, like, the thing that really put a damper on my, you know, just draft a Coro was when I was watching, you know, Tyrese Maxey and Anthony Edwards uh, pro day or whatever. And like people were talking about how, I don't, I don't know what they were saying, but like, it felt like both of those guys made a comfortable amount of three pointers. Um, and my whole thought was like, can a Coro even do this type of workout? Can he even make these caliber of shots? I mean, in a he, practice he I, setting. I think in a practice setting, it would look better than people would think that it would. Um, just because I, I've been around enough NBA practices to know that even guys who can't shoot can really shoot. If that makes sense, like in practice, uh, even centers. Like I, I can tell you the few guys that I've ever seen, even centers that can't make shots, like they stick out to you in practice. One of them is Deontay Davis. I'll just say that out loud. Um, former Hawk, ten uh, day non-guarantee guy, uh, former 
late. Talk about somebody who should have panned out but didn't. Yeah, but I, I, I'm just saying in general, writers can tell you the guys who can't shoot more than the guys who can. Even the guys who you think of, that I think of as bad shooters in the NBA, are usually really good in in a practice warm up setting. Um, there are some exceptions, like Evan Turner is one where like Evan Turner didn't, didn't even make shots in warm ups. Um, but he's like a legendarily bad shooter. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I, I think that Okoro, you know, everyone knows this, but it's going to come down to on some level anyway, if you think you, he can fix a shot. I mean, I still like him either, even, even if he can't, I've said that a hundred times. I think that me too. it's defensible to take him at six. Even if you're, even if you're pessimistic about a shot, I think you can still take him at six. Now it's a little bit less sexy for sure. It's a little bit interesting, um, to do that at six, but I, I like a lot of the stuff that he does well. I don't know. Uh, he's by the way. I, I I probably shouldn't spoil it, but alas, I will. Um, I took I took a Coro in the Espionation Peaster Hoops mock draft this week. Um, that the draft broke it broke in a certain way where I where I was able to do that, and I, I've taken him in a couple mocks. Um, the locked on one I took Vassell, but because a Coro was already gone, I was going to take a Coro, and a Coro went fifth. So. I'm not telling you that the Hawks definitely have to take him, but I think of all the mocks that I've been a part of or been consulted on, Okoro has been the guy that I've taken the most. So take that for whatever it's worth, but you know. Yeah. I mean, and like, that's boring. That's why, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of boring now to say they should just take, you know, if they're not going to do a con, if they feel like they're not going to do the Congo route, um, they probably should just take Coral, but it's it's a difficult it's a difficult conversation because you know, like I love Isaac Coral, but his numbers aren't that great. No, I mean, I mean you're, you're taking for de- honestly the thing you can the thing you're making out it's of a lot of pro- is it's, this is a projection draft. Like it's a lot of projection with a lot of these guys what? drafting on film and talent. You, you and say you, you say best. that you say that, and then there are also. You talked about this earlier, but the lack of the lack of upside is kind of jarring in some of these respects. I think Okor actually has yeah. a lot because he's because he's so athletic. But guys like Fasell, guys like Denny, are not upside picks. They're just they're just not. And I I like I like Fasell a ton. I think Denny's going to be pretty good. But those guys don't have a lot of upside really at all. So it's just interesting. Like you're drafting a you're probably drafting a role player, and I've said that for months and months and months. But it's even it's even more stark now that yeah, there's there's guys with more upside than others, but the baseline expectation for you at six in this draft should be that you're trying to get a role player. That's good. You're not trying to find a top three guy in your team with, with this pick. The only way you're doing that is if you're trading up for Edwards, <laughs> that's really the only way to do it in this class. And may, maybe, yeah. may, maybe a Coro figures it out, makes this giant leap. I'm not saying it's impossible, but trying to be reasonable here, you're, you're hoping for a guy who could like maybe be a fringe starter for you long-term. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like I, I mean, it just goes back to what we've been saying. Just trade back. You're going to get a lot of value. Teams really want certain guys. Always. I, I mean, every year, every year we we did this last year. And by the way, it was the Hawks that did it last year that traded up. But every year there's a there's a team or two that e- even if the entire basketball world is saying, look, this is a trade down draft. This is the second one in a row where I've said that, and every it's not a, it's not my idea. I mean, it's a trade down draft. Even then, last year there were two teams that traded up. It was the Hawks and the uh, Wolves. Both traded up in the lottery last year in a in a draft that was so very clearly a trade down draft. It's going to happen again this year. Someone's going to go up. 
I mean, wings, two-way wings are just, like, I, I get it. Because I mean, or a Kong Wu or whatever. You know, like, you know, if you're the Wizards and, I, I, and you want, if you're the Wizards and you want a Kong Wu, if you're the Knicks and you want Killian Hayes, like I could justify trading up for a couple of these teams. Like I get it. Because I mean, and because at the end of the day, they, the end of the day, the guys who are going to you're you're trading back for, like, aren't going to hurt those teams that trade up. Like we talk about everybody. I don't want to get in this tangent too much, but we talk about how the Hawks gave up too much for DeAndre Hunter, and they did. But the players that they that the Pelicans took with them, they have no real trade value. Like they don't. Nobody cares about Jackson Hayes. Yeah, people, the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls drafted a better center at thirty eight. It's it's pretty funny because like I I, I think Hayes will be fine, but I, I'm with you. He does not have a lot of value. I think actually, if they were to put guys in the market right now to trade, they might get more for Alexander Walker than Hayes. Yeah, and I don't think Alexander Nikhil Alexander Walker. He's fine. I I I I don't think he he's somebody that people are particularly excited to trade. And, that, and that's what I mean. Like, and that's kind of an indictment you know on on Hayes more than anything. So, but it's an indictment on that draft. And, and this yes. draft is worse. Hundred percent. And this draft is worse. That's what we gotta get people to understand. This draft is a lot worse than what it was last draft. Yes, I mean camera camera. If you if you put camera even pre NBA, you put Cam Reddish out of out of college, DeAndre Hunter out of college. Those guys are probably for me. You know, I had I had I had Culver four, Hunter five, Reddish six last year on draft day. Those guys in this class would probably be three, four, and five for me in this in this draft. And I say that I mean even even now. Even now, like, take, take Reddish out of it. I know Hawks fans love him. I know you love him, too. So we'll take him out of there. Hunter and Culver, neither of which blew anybody away as rookies. But the thing about Hunter is that he could – he actually has a jumper. Well, and that's why I'm, I, I'm defending them right now. So, like, even with – I know you were not overwhelmingly positive about Hunter's rookie season. I get that. If you put Culver and Hunter, even with, even with a year in the NBA that was not incredible for either one of them, Put them back in this draft. They are both mid lottery picks in this class, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, I don't. Even, I think they go top ten. I don't. I'm not. That's sure. what I mean. I mean, I, and you, you could litigate where they go, but they're both lottery guys in this class for me. I mean, I'm sure that's not a universal sentiment. In fact, I I saw, uh, I saw a redraft that had uh, neither I, I don't, oh, neither Cam or DeAndre. Okay, let's let's not do, let's don't, not do don't this Don't get me now. started on redraft. Let's not do this now. Just uh, I just wanted to make sure. Listen, people kept asking uh, me. I'm not going to do the whole boy. segment. I wanted. I saw it, guys. It was bad. I saw it. I didn't see it. I I have a lot of. We'll talk offline. You, you you and me will talk. Lo- you and me will talk yeah. offline about that about that uh that redraft. Um. All right. Well, we've gone a number of ways. We're on the same page. I think on some of this stuff. You know, trade back is a possible. You don't have to trade back, but it's if, if you can find value, do it. I'm I'm pinning you down now. What's the, what's the what's the, if if they stay at six. Best case scenario for you is what. Best case scenario at six. Is Anthony Edwards drops to six. Not not not, not on the board. Him. Not on the board. Take that well, off. You said best case scenario. I, you're right. I messed you that turn up. your brain. You turn your brain off with Anthony Edwards. Best case scenario. Of, best cares? case. Let's go. <laughs> Agree on that. Let's go. I am. I am. I am famously not all in on Edwards. Uh, if he fell to six, then you got to do it. Um, okay. Take Edwards off the board. Take Lamelo off the board. Take Wiseman off the board. Who's the guy you would the take? Board. At six? He's not. I'm not taking Wiseman. Uh, you can leave Wiseman on the board. He's not getting taken. That's fine. 
my heart is like just go with McKeach's own Isaac Okoro. Yeah, it's reasonable. Very reasonable pick. I have no I have no qualms with it whatsoever. Um, it's funny because but, everybody wants everybody wants my picks, and I don't have I don't have a huge win. I think it's telling that you're having to after all this. You and I have been talking for a while. You knew you were coming on here. You knew I was going to ask you, and you still don't have an answer because there's not a huge gap here, man. <laughs> my head really likes Denny Advia for the Hawks, though. Like I, re- like I, I get the low upside. All they, they, they do he's too. Six, by the way, nine. I, I'm very he's com- huge. I'm very confident the Hawks like Denny. Now, what that actually means, we'll see. But there, there's at least one or two people in the front office that like Denny. I can tell you that with confidence. He might be gone, as we discussed earlier. I think he's, I don't want to say likely to be gone, but certainly possible he's gone. Um, we, Brad, we can secure Israel if we get Denny at six. <laughs> so I think that's what the Hawks should do for... For the greater good? Is that what you're for saying? the greater good. <laughs> for the greater good. I think Denny is the obvious choice He'd be, for the number six pick. Honestly, but I, I, but, but I do like him. I like his game. I understand that all his flaws he probably can't shoot i but i just like guys who are big and can dribble like i i yeah. do that's why i like a coral a lot but then he's three inches taller like i think my biggest fear with a coral is that he's shorter than six six it's possible he's six four right and if he's six four like that that limits what he can do on the floor of if he can't shoot like that just limits him further Whereas Denny, I mean Denny's six nine. He's huge. He can be an additional rim protector. Yeah, the, I mean at the three. I know I've I've expressed um, some reticence with Denny, and I think the upside stuff is genuinely concerning. And I don't know what he does all that well, but even then, him at six is totally fine. It it just is. But in this class, it's totally it's totally fine to take him there. Um, and he honestly, it's kind of similar to Halliburton. Both yeah, those guys, both, well. both both those guys have games that I like, truly. Like I like both of them as players. It's a safe bet, I think, that I'm going to like both those guys more than the consensus five years from now, whether they're on the Hawks or not. Like people that listen to this podcast know I like role players. Can you imagine someone in the league that I'm likely to enjoy more than Tyrese Halliburton? Like the guy is like bizarre, weird role player, great great team guy like great passer i love all that stuff i like i love tyrus halliburton <laughs> it's just that he's like, uh weird halliburton or, or you know Devin Vassell. like going back like yes. those are four guys one of those four guys i'd be happy with because like Devin Vassell, i feel fairly com- comfortable that he's going to do he's going to be a very good defender and make some know, shots he makes some shots and it's like He's boring. He's really boring, but uh, also but good. they need they need boring. This, the Hawks just need more guys, and that's the thing. I'm like, you know, you can swing for the fences kind of with a coral, or you can go safe with Vassell if you want to wing. If you want to fill the, if you want somebody who can potentially run the offense for five ten minutes at a time with Trey Young not on the floor, Tyrese Halliburton's your man, Denny at at Via. Kind of, it feels like he feels a lot more. He feels like multiple holes, um, in that he doesn't really have a real weakness. Um, you know those those are pretty good guys. Or you can go with Onyeka Okongwu. You know, like we talked about all those the first draft 
podcast we did where I told you like the he's, Hawks should build on their strength. He's good, man. Have him be the third big man and just absolutely, absolutely physically dominate teams. Um, it's uh, it sounds like on both ends of the floor. It sounds like we're pretty close, and 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 by that I mean there isn't a lot the Hawks can do that will like really bother me. Um, uh, we'll be topping will bother me. Yeah, he's and, yeah, and right uh, spoiler alert, we 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 have a a roundtable coming out at Peachtree Hoops. Um, one of the roundtable questions is um, which guy mocked in the top ten do you not want? And I, I think most of us answered Obi Toppin, including me. Um, and that's and it's you know it's weird for us me to say that because I feel like Obi Toppin is going to win Rookie of the Year going away, and I think he's going to be a really good basketball player. I think that especially if he goes to a certain situation, I'm with you. I think yeah, he, he is definitely the profile of someone who will who will at least compete in Rookie of the Year because he's going to be efficient and productive. And that usually now, matters. I, like stats this matter. idea, this idea that he's John Collins, just like yes, we, we're we're an hour and fifteen minutes in, and I, I was waiting <sighs> to tackle this just just for like thirty seconds to hear you rant about how uh, John Collins is underrated. Because I'm with you, um, hundred percent on this. It's funny. Uh, I tweeted something out. Uh, there was a funny video of somebody screaming "what" in the background of a uh, of a football play highlight, and I I tweeted re- my reaction when people are too low on John Collins. Yeah, and- I mean, you know, I, I I'm listening to all the draft podcasts, and I, I'm hearing this conversation where, oh man, you know, Obi Toppin, yeah, he's probably not Mari Stoudemire, but he could be, you know, John Collins a little better. And I'm like, John Collins' first three seasons, they're there are very few basketball players who have had better season, first three seasons of their career than John Collins. Let me tell you something. Amari <laughs> Stoudemire, wish, wish he was as efficient as John Collins. Steve Nash, wish Amari Stoudemire was as efficient as John Collins was his first three seasons. Like, every, I feel like Every time this happens, I, th- I think about you. I, I mean, I, I really I, do. I want, to, I want to lose my mind every time because it's like, People think you just if you're a big man, you're you're supposed to do sixty six percent true shooting. What? Well, it, it's really funny because you know this, uh, and we're off the rails here, but we'll, we'll be done. We'll, we'll be done soon. But you know this, uh, I am I'm not always known from Hawks fans as the most glowing about all the team's players, um, and I even say repeatedly. And get really bothered by how low the league seems to be on John Collins. Like I think John but Collins he, he, is violently he, underrated, and you, and he, you are higher on him than I am. <laughs> but here's the thing with John Collins. Here's here's why he's underrated. His first year, coach didn't play him because Budenholzer was just moving on. He was very spiteful. <laughs> he was very spiteful that year. His second year, he gets hurt the beginning of the season, and so everybody forgets about him. Yep. He comes back. He averages twenty and ten. And, but he does it when nobody's watching. Uh, he's a big reason why Trey Young's season turned around when he came back and gave him an outlet. Leave that aside. His third year, he misses the first. He basically misses the first twenty-five games of the season because he got suspended. And by that point, everybody forgot about the Hawks. They're terrible. They're garbage. He comes back. All of a sudden, they're a thirty-one basketball team, and it's like he's he doesn't miss a shot for two months. And like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one, we're the only ones talking about it. The man doesn't miss a sh- shot for two months, Brad. He must've sh- like, he was already highly efficient. Then he literally didn't miss a shot for two months of NBA <laughs> basketball. And now I got people talking about, 
Oh yeah, you know, Toppy, he can he can be his he can be John Collins. You know, better passer, better face up game. He is a better passer. I'll say that he's a better passer. Yeah, I mean, sure. That's that's all. Congrats. Though. That's the only. From the, that's from the, the only big thing. man position. I've said I've said this, I said this before, but uh, even even people that are not Atlanta based uh, agree with me on this. The only thing that Obi Toppin is better at at basketball, on either end, by the way, and Collins is not a guy that I've like you know lauded a ton for defense, but he's he's gotten a lot better. Um, Toppin is the only thing Toppin's better at is passing. That is literally the only thing. Every other every other attribute from you know athleticism to rebounding to shooting how, how does, finishing how does rebounding never come up with Toppin though that's what confuses me it finally Toppin did I can't, remember, I can't remember rebounder. where I heard this today I was listening to a podcast today it might have been it might have been uh Nate and John Hollinger somebody talked about his rebounding today or Kevin Pelton or somebody smart and I was thinking oh somebody finally brought it up because Toppin didn't rebound in college it's like John Collins is an incredible Offensive rebounder. Yeah, defensively and he's not. He's not. He's not elite. He's not. He's not. He's not great defensively. He's okay. He's gotten a lot better. He's gotten a lot better defensive rebounding. Yes, he, he got a lot better this third year. Agreed. Uh, but as an offensive rebounder, absolutely incredible. He's a guy who, if if you have some weakling on him, he's going to get the ball, and it's <laughs> and then he's going to finish, and it's like that will win you a series. Yep. That's how the Lakers beat the Heat. They just played full circle. Pat, full circle Patty right now with the basketball at the rim because they only had Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo can't box out LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee at the same time. Like he can't box out all three of those guys at once. Like that, that's where they lost the series right there. Had nothing to do with nothing else. All this talk about all this shooting that he'd had, all this lack of shooting the Lakers have. Doesn't matter if you like shooting. If you're gonna grab every, if you're gonna grab every available rebound, and John Collins is the type of player that does that, but Toppin isn't. Toppin's not. He's not that type of athlete on the glass. But that doesn't affect him. I'm, I'm like, guys, John Collins is better than Zion Williamson. Y'all do realize this, right? Like. Do people know that right now today? For sure. I mean, you could you can obviously see why people might take Zion long term, but right now today, like, yeah, he's he's better. That's just what it is. Um, I'm sure I'm sure that that would be seen as, that would be seen as controversial around the league, but really, really controversial to say a guy who they both basically averaged the same point total, but one of them was actually efficient. And, and also, and, and also, much and, better defense. I was gonna say, by the way, it's it's ironic. Much it's better. ironic, but Zion, Zion is a lot worse defensively at the moment than John Collins. Um, all right, I mean, well, we're a, we're off the rails topic for another day. Yes. That's a Pelicans topic for another day. It is. Hopefully, he gets it together. Um, well, Tyler, it's been too long as always. Uh, I'm gonna bring you on. We talked about this before we started recording, but um, once the flurry is over, we'll uh, we'll take stock of what happened. We'll look ahead to the season because. Hilariously, uh, the Hawks should be playing basketball in about six weeks in terms of like games that count, and they'll be in training camp in three weeks, which is insane. I'm I'm, I'm so excited to come on here and say how the Hawks are going to win fifty plus games. Uh, I'm home, I'm looking forward to home court, uh, your, your home court advantage. If your, you're a your Hawks fans, fan, your fan side will be back. Uh, t- Tyler, the irrational Hawks fan, will be back by then. It'll be great. I'll be looking forward to it, and I'll have, I'll take my mantle up as talking you down a little bit um, at some point, but. Listen, they have a path to the playoffs. To bring things full circle, they have a path to the playoffs next year. So it helps to have Trey Young. He's pretty good. Yeah. All right, Tyler. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, have, uh, please plug yourself. I know you are locked. You're still in locked account life on Twitter, but people, I'm sure, should be following you if they're not already. 
Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jonesy2x4. Uh, I'm currently talking about how incredible the first, like, I, I guess the first 80-plus episodes of Bleach is. Uh, it's an anime, Brad. I don't even know if you know. <laughs> you should have, know what I have, I have no idea what that is. None. But, but, like, I'm stunned at how good this shonen is. I forgot. Like, and I, I grew up a huge Bleach fan. So if you haven't seen Bleach in a long time, which you probably haven't, uh, a new season is probably going to be coming back uh, in 2021 sometime. But so like now's the time to kind of catch up. Like the first, the first couple of seasons are absolutely incredible. I cannot recommend them enough. They're up there with any Shonen. These first, like just the pacing, the storytelling, the foreshadowing, (laughs) Everything is awesome. It's what it's what it's what I fell in love with anime anime with, and I'm so glad that I'm catching up back up with this series that I loved when I was a kid. But there, uh, there you go. That's so what I'm doing right now. Highest rec uh, from you. I like that. Outside of that, outside of that, I'm not doing much else. You know, I'm just staying safe. Please, people, mask up. Yep, agreed. Mask up, mask up. Try to avoid. Please stop going. If you're going out, now is the time to really stop. It's coronavirus virus is getting really bad now like it's getting it's about to get a lot worse than what it was in march and april yep it's uh, time, time to chill out at home if you can uh that's for sure like if 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 you have plans for thanksgiving um or the holiday season like really seriously consider who's going to be there immediate family only and if you're going to go and travel take the necessary precautions quarantine before you leave don't go on don't go on airplanes avoid just avoid people like we, we got to do our part to control this virus because it has not gone away no matter what these corporations are trying to tell you <laughs> what these advertisers are trying to tell you what anybody's trying to tell you this virus has not gone away it's about to get a lot worse please take the necessary precautions and please take this serious guys there you go uh agreed on all of that. Thank you, as always, for coming on the podcast. People are already excited. I tweeted about this as we were wrapping up. People are already fired up to uh, hear it. So I'm excited about that. And uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Appreciate it. As for everybody else, subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please follow Tyler. We'll see you next week where we're going to have at least, I think, at least two, maybe three shows before the draft and then everything after the draft. So stay tuned for all of that.